0: Welcome to Mind, Muscle, and Metabolism, the Jade Tita Podcast. Here you get the in-depth science and practical tools needed to change your body, optimize your health, and elevate your mindset. I'm Dr. Jade Tita, and here is what I want you to know. You are different. You are as unique on the inside chemically as you are on the outside physically. And those differences matter. They matter because there is only one rule to achieving optimal health, fitness, and body change. That rule, do what works for you. My goal is to help you understand exactly how. I'm so excited you're here. Your transformation starts right now. Welcome to the podcast today, everybody. We are going to be talking about a study today. And I thought this would be appropriate because we talk a lot on this podcast about the idea of starvation response, metabolic damage, adrenal fatigue, these kinds of things. And I just got through doing a podcast with um, Boom Boom Performance with uh, Cody at Boom Boom Performance. Uh, He's one of my favorite guys to talk to. And we've been bringing up this study, the Matador study. So I figured I'd go through this study. Um today and it's an important study because those of you who follow me and follow my podcast sometimes it can feel like we're talking about the same things over and over again. Uh, this idea that the metabolism is adaptive, reactive. How do we deal with that? How do we slow down this metabolic regain? Of course, I have all these clinical tools I've used from the research. But when you look at research, a lot of it's extrapolated. It's very rare that we actually get a study that illustrates the concepts that we are using clinically In such a perfect way and this study actually does that and so I want to go through this study with you Um, this study is uh, they call it the matador study um, but the the actual um, title of the study is intermittent energy restriction improves weight loss efficiency in obese men colon the matador study and matador m-a-t-a-d-o-r stands for minimizing adaptive thermogenesis and deactivating obesity rebound we talk an awful lot about this right when we talk about starvation response and when we talk about metabolic dysfunction and metabolic damage and metabolic flexibility and some of the changes in hunger, energy and cravings and sleep, hunger mood energy, and cravings heck and schmeck that you, those of you who follow me know these terms when we talk about all that. You're not going to necessarily find those things in the research on PubMed. Uh, for those of you don't know, PubMed is a database, www.pubmed.com, where you can go and research all the studies. This is where I read my research and get my information from as well. And you won't necessarily find these terms like starvation response or metabolic damage and things like that. In PubMed when you search the research. But what you will find is the term adaptive thermogenesis. Adaptive thermogenesis is is a very well-studied phenomena. So when I talk about dieting and how that changes things like sleep, hunger, mood, energy, and cravings, and slows metabolic rate, That is one piece of this. Adaptive thermogenesis is one piece of this. Adaptive thermogenesis is that metabolic slowdown that occurs with dieting. And so this is the primary mechanism that we know of in the research anyway that causes us to regain the weight. This is why 95% of people gain the weight back after traditional eat less, exercise more diets, and 66%... Uh, end up fatter. It's because of this adaptive thermogenesis. It's because of this metabolic slowdown that occurs. Now we've done an awful lot of things in the research and researchers spend an awful lot of time attempting to mitigate this adaptive thermogenesis or starvation response or this metabolic compensation or metabolic resistance or metabolic dysfunction that can occur with chronic dieting. And one of the things that I've done in my clinical practice is use a toggling approach where I move people back and forth between uh, certain types of metabolic states. We talk about these a lot. Eat less, exercise less. Eat more, exercise more. The two toggles that I use the most. Of course, then there's eat less, exercise more. And uh, there's also eat more, exercise less. So for me, clinically, to mitigate this adaptive thermogenesis response, I'm toggling the metabolism back and forth between different metabolic states. Sometimes the people I work with are eating much less and not doing much exercise at all, maybe in a keto diet or a fasting type regime, very sparing diet, very little exercise, but lots of movement. Sometimes they're being more like an athlete. Sometimes I indeed am moving them into the traditional dieting sort of mode. Now this study, the Matador study, really looks at exactly the type of approach that I have been using. Now this study just came out in the International Journal of Obesity in 2018 And I'm not sure what month it was in 2018, but I'll just give it to you right now since I'm looking at it right here. It's um, International Journal of Obesity uh, 2018, volume 42, pages 129 through 138 for any of you who want to um, take a look at this study. But let's go through this study and see what it did. Uh, First thing we have to understand is that most people, when they go on diets, calorie-restricted diets, They are going to regain the weight. That we know. So what happened here? Well, what they did is they took two different groups of men. One group did a 16-week period of traditional dieting, okay? And this diet was basically set at 33% of the uh, calorie restriction. So they were having 67% of the Typical normal diet that they were having. Okay. So this was a 33% uh, of calorie diet. So what would that uh, potentially look like? Well, that would look like the following. Um, actually, one sec. Let me just answer this text. I apologize. It's distracted me right, real quick. And I'm just going to answer this. Okay. Boom. All right, so this 33% of uh, calories, if for a 200-pound person, this is going to be roughly about between 600 and 700 calorie reduction. So not super extreme, not thousands, but pretty extreme. Once you get into that 500-calorie deficits, you're in a pretty extreme diet. So one group basically followed that particular regime, 600-calorie reduction if you're 200 pounds. Um, daily basically for 16 weeks the other group followed something very different their their process lasted about 30 weeks because what they did is they spent two weeks in this 33 percent calorie reduction and then two weeks in an isocaloric or normal state in other words one group did a continuous dieting for 16 weeks the other group did 16 weeks of dieting interspersed with another 16 weeks of b- diet breaks. Okay, So there were two weeks of calorie reduction and then two weeks of normal calorie intake. This is very much like doing sort of an eat less exercise more or eat less exercise less state for two weeks and then going into sort of a balanced sort of state for another two weeks, where it's sort of eat some, exercise some. So that is what was going on here, two very different uh, ways of doing this. However, the cool thing about this study is it was pretty well controlled. The calories were the same in both groups, and these were controlled by delivering the meals to these individuals. And so this diet was done um, you know, in a very controlled fashion. So what do you think happened here? Well, first of all, let's talk about the weight loss, okay? The weight loss results for each group was different. Now keep in mind the calories were the same. One group was just doing it all at once and one group was doing the calorie reduction with with diet breaks. The intermittent group, the group that had breaks, two weeks on and two weeks off, saw 31-pound weight loss over their 16 weeks or 30 weeks that they were doing this. The continuous calorie group saw a 20-pound loss over their 16 weeks. That's pretty substantial for both groups. Now, we know weight loss okay, and fat loss are two different things. You might say, well, Jade, how much fat loss was it? How much fat loss did the intermittent group, the two-weeks-on, two-week-off group, get Versus the continuous group. Well, the two weeks on, two weeks off group lost 26.4 pounds of fat. While the continuous group lost 17.6 pounds of fat. So much more fat lost in the group that was doing the intermittent. Almost 10 more pounds versus the continuous group. Now, both groups lost muscle. Now, one of the things you need to understand when you're calculating lean muscle loss Water goes into this a little bit as well. Both groups lost about the same, 2.9 for the intermittent group, 2.6 pounds for the continuous group, about three pounds each. Now, what we want to know is what happened – after the follow-up, right? Because it's one thing to see substantial differences during the process, right? It's one thing to see a difference in fat loss during the weight loss process, which we did see despite calories being normal just by giving these two-week diet breaks. But what happened with the regain, right? What happened with the regain? Well, At six months later on follow-up, there was still a pretty striking difference between the groups. There was close to a 15-pound weight loss advantage for the group that was doing the intermittent type of approach, two weeks on, two weeks off. In fact, they only regained 7.7 pounds, about eight pounds, while the other group regained about 13 pounds. So in the final sort of analysis here – The intermittent group ended up losing 18.7 pounds total after six months had gone by. Now, remember, we basically are doing sort of this uh, 16 weeks of dieting total with one group doing it all at once and the other group doing it with two-week breaks in between and then them following up later. So... Later on, six months later, the final outcome was substantially, substantially in favor of the intermittent group versus the continuous energy restriction group. Now, this study is hugely important for us because what it does is it actually gives us some scientific validation, some proof of concept to the idea of what I have been seeing clinically for years and years and years. Now, of course, this just came out in 2018, but I've been doing some version of this, and many people have been, I'm not the only one, who've been doing some version of this going all the way back to 2004, 2005. Some people maybe even doing this um, you know, prior to that. But the idea here is, is that I talk an awful lot about the metabolism not being this continuous, linear, predictable, stable sort of system, but rather instead being this unstable, unpredictable, adaptive, and reactive system. And I oftentimes talk about the idea that we want to break the diet or use different toggling systems, not doing the same thing over and over and over again, not just committing to eat less, exercise more, because eat less, exercise more is gonna cause the metabolism to adapt relatively quickly actually in my experience it's usually going to happen in about seven to ten days that this adaptation process is going to happen and this is what's going to cause this adaptive thermogenesis or metabolic compensation or this sort of starvation response where we see increased hunger energy and cravings what i call hec or heck heck goes out of check metabolic rate Declines, and next thing you know, you have this drive to eat more so that you do, and you're also dealing with a less efficient metabolism at the time or a less flexible metabolism, a metabolism that's more likely to extract nutrients and not burn as many calories at rest or during exercise and you get this weight gain rebound and overcompensation which is why we have this yo-yo dieting effect and why many people end up fatter in the long run. Now of course this study showed what we would expect both groups did get some regain after they kind of came off these regimes but the group that was doing this intermittent uh, sort of dieting response fared much much better than this continuous group so what does this mean for you or what does it mean for your clients if you're a coach or a physician which i know i have a lot of you coaches and physicians listen to my um, podcast what does this mean for you what this means for you is that you want to begin to incorporate this information that we now understand about the metabolism it will set you apart immediately getting your own personal results and getting results for your clients What we want to do is we want to build in these structured breaks. Now, there's many ways that you can do this. One week on, one week off. Two weeks on, two weeks off. I oftentimes have used the two weeks on, two weeks off type of approach because many times I'm working with women who are menstruating and I toggle their diet with the Menstrual cycle. It's an easy way to do this. I've talked about this in many uh, past podcasts. Episode two of this podcast talks about this. Um, also, you can, uh, I think it's a, uh, episodes 11 and 12 that go through sort of the different metabolic toggles. And of course, the last two episodes, episodes 32 and 33, that I did on eat less, exercise less, and eat more, exercise more cover this a little bit as well. So you're gonna to want to pay attention to those to understand how I am doing this. But very simply without making it too complex, one of the ways that you can do this very simply, if this is the first time you've been exposed to me or my podcast and it's your first time listening, you can take uh, you can make this approach work for you simply by using the traditional approach, eat less, exercise, more for two weeks, and then taking a two-week diet break. Now, I want to do one thing here to make this clear. These two weeks off are not two weeks in a refeed. These are not two weeks in calorie surplus. These are two weeks back at calorie balance. And by the way what they were using in this particular study as the formula to determine uh, how these people were going to structure their macronutrients and their calories or their calories rather was total daily energy expenditure which is T-D-E-E which is really BMR, basal metabolic rate or resting energy expenditure, the amount of energy you burn at rest every day with an activity factor built in for activities of daily living and exercise. And then that 33% reduction in calories was applied. One of the other things they did in this particular study is that as people lost weight, they then recalculated this. So every four weeks, they recalculated based on weight loss to continue achieving that 33% reduction. Reduction in uh, calories, and just for those you don't understand that, obviously, if you go from 200 pounds to 195 pounds, right? You're and you want to calculate the basal metabolic rate and the total daily energy expenditure off of that. That calculation is going to be a little bit different. So, if you want to maintain that 33% calorie reduction, you're going to have to adjust the calories a, a little bit as well, and that's what they. Um, did. So if you're doing this with yourself or with your clients to set your calories, what you'll want to do, if you want to follow the study exactly, you can find total daily energy expenditure calculators online. Just search TDEE calculator in Google, it'll come up and you can punch in your numbers there wait body fat percent, if you know it, that kind of stuff, an activity factor will be given to you. And it will give you essentially your total daily energy expenditure. Then from there, basically calculate 30% down from that, right? So if my calorie total daily energy expenditure is 2,000 and I, you know, essentially take 30% off of that, right? Well, 10% of 2,000 is 200. So that's roughly 600 Calories: Two, four, six hundred calories that I would be reducing um, from my total daily energy expenditure. I would do that for two weeks and then I would go back to a normal total daily energy expenditure to, for, for another two weeks and then I'd go back and forth like that. I wouldn't be doing a refeed. I wouldn't be doing cheat meals. This is very important to understand because what a lot of people will do that sometimes will derail an approach like this is they'll do this refeeding type of thing or this calorie surplus type of thing. You still have to be pretty diligent about watching calorie intake. So we're not going low calorie and then high calorie, two weeks low calorie, two weeks high calorie. We're doing two weeks lower calorie and two weeks normal calorie, based on total daily energy expenditure. That's how you want to do this if you're going to actually do this study. for those of you who want to see sort of an infographic associated with this particular study, um, I have one on my Instagram feed at jtita. You also can go to www.jtita.com, find this episode. This is episode 34 of the podcast, and you can find that page and download this particular um, infographic so you can kind of see the general rules of thumb with this study all in one place. Just gives you kind of the, uh, the background of the study, the results of the study, just so you don't have to remember it and keep listening to this over and over again. This is an important one. That's the reason I wanted to go through it. But um, it's really nice sometimes when you're using this in practice to have an actual research study that uh, shows what you're doing is working and how profound and what a big difference it can make. All right, so um, I'll see you at the next podcast. Please do me a favor. In order for me to uh, get the word out about this podcast, please absolutely share this episode. And if you don't mind, I would absolutely love and appreciate it if you go over to to iTunes and give me a five-star review. Tell me what you think. I really appreciate it. And I will see you at the next podcast.